Good morning, everybody. Hello, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to today's episode of the African Composers interview. We have a guest with us today. He will introduce himself shortly. Before he does, I would like to thank anybody who will join us and who will watch this interview as it is being live streamed. Thank you very much for your support and your interest. And I would like to thank those who will watch it later as a recorded interview. Thank you too. Uh, so, to our guest of today, please introduce yourself. Well, um, thank you very much, Adore, uh, for inviting me to this interview. Uh, of course, my name is Ken Wakir, and um, I'd like to introduce myself as Ken from Kenya. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Ken from Kenya, can you take us um, back historically, <laughs> Ken from Kenya, um, to perhaps how you got involved in music? Um, you are the choral director of the uh, Kenyan uh, chorus. You will, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But before we talk about um, you working as a, as a choral director, just take us back how you got involved in music originally. I don't know if you can still hear me. Yes, I can. Uh, um, and, uh, you know, I like to tell my story. Um, sorry, um, hello, can you hear me? Hello? Yes, I can. Before you do, uh, sorry, I, I made a mistake. You are the choral director of the Nairobi Chamber Chorus, but carry on, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, anyway, I'd like to tell my story um, with, uh, with people um, because I, I, am, I am who I am um, because of the people uh, that have uh, come into my life in many ways. And um, the musicianship is really a long story of the people I met along the way. And I want to start uh, with um, Mumia's Complex, where I went to primary school. And Mumia's Complex is a primary school in Western Kenya, um, a place called Mumia's, obviously. And um, the, what, what is famous uh, for that uh, area is really the Mumias Sugar Company, which sadly is not doing very well right now. But um, as a little boy, I, I went to Mumias uh, Complex, coming from a rural area uh, by the name Homer Bay. Uh, I moved to Mumias uh, to stay with my dad, who was then working at the Sugar Company. And um, in Mumias, while I was um, uh, around class, um, I think class four, then there was a gentleman who was the music teacher then by the name Lamek Litieka. And Lamek came to classes every time when uh, the music festivals were about to start. Lamek came to a class and asked everyone to stand up and uh, sing the national anthem. Um, you know, after he sang the national anthem, then he went on to say, uh, it's you, 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 and uh, stand up. And once he said you stand up, uh, he said you show up in the choir the next day. Um, so, uh, for me, it was um, a really poor chance that um, I, I, I joined uh, music and uh, I owe it all to Mr. Tika, who saw that in me at the very beginning and invited me to the choir. And at that time, I didn't want it. I didn't want to do it. So, um, I mean, I could go on and on because uh, after that, I went to high school, single high school, where again I met um, uh, Mr. Pendechere, who 
decided for uh, me, really. <laughs> Even though I enjoyed it, at that time now I was singing balloon to really. I was in the choir. But um, I was also very good in um, mechanics at that time, so my dad wanted me to become an engineer because I could fix uh, engines and stuff like this. And, but then uh, Mr. Matendi Cherry um, encouraged me and told me, young man, you're very good, you're very good in music. You, you should continue, you should continue. So I listened to my teacher, Mr. Matendi and uh, stayed down in the choir. Then I went to the university and the rest is history, <laughs> as they say. Well, it's interesting that you said the rest is history because we are aware that there are some parts of the world where, and especially depending on when you were born, um, where there are certain parents, families, friends that would say, why are you going into, why are you taking up music as a career path and following that path? But you said the rest is history. You presented a story. Is that really how it happened? It was easy. There was nobody trying to discourage you at all. I mean, it even says on your profile on the Nairobi Chamber Chorus um, website that you studied choral conducting at the University of Miami in Florida. Surely, I mean, you are saying you, nobody ever said, oh, don't spend all that money in studying music. You want to go and an interest in engineering. Yes, um, you know, you, you got it, you got it right. And um, it was a fight, particularly with my dad, of course. Um, my dad at that time, uh, bless his soul, is uh, now uh, past many years ago. He did not see any point of this music. In fact, he asked me when I chose music, to, uh, when I was going to the university, I chose to study music. And he told me, I mean, how can you go to the university to sing? Uh, you cannot graduate with a degree in singing, because for him, music was singing. Um, and I, I believe to many people, still, music is uh, just singing. So my, my dad, and he categorically told me that, you know, if you go into this music and teaching, you won't make enough money. Well, he could have been right if you asked me. <laughs> but, but, but what, what, what uh, people fail to understand is that uh, life is not all about money. And um, I think uh, it is the best decision I ever made because my dad my dad told me that, you know, when you come to the village, we want you to uh, give uh, contributions during the fundraisings. And we want you to give 50,000 shillings, 60,000 shillings, and 100,000 penny shillings um, during uh, fundraising. Um, and for him, that would make him look a great man. And he thought that if you're going to music, you, should, you would not be able to do that. Uh, well, I got news for him that actually, uh, through music, I am able to, to support many people, many of my siblings uh, back at home, and many people who need my help. I am able to do that today. In fact, um, I'm a, a big fan of um, community service and building communities. So at the moment, we are, um, uh, we are helping build my local church at home and I just wish my dad was here to see what we are doing with the church we he himself by the way uh, started um, and I would love to have had him uh, here today to see where the church has got to do but you, you, you know you're, you're right um, my story continues after the university Kenyatta University where I did my degree and I got inspired by two very important people in my life, and that's Aneta Miller and um, Ochema Kokea, who also inspired many people. And while at uh, that time I was still following in the footsteps of my wonderful teacher, 
David Okukuzalo, who taught me also connected me in high school. But, you know, it was when I was in KU that um, another gentleman uh, uh, held my hand and talked to me very keenly and said, look, Yana, you, you have uh, interest here and you have the ability here. Can you um, look at these options? And that gentleman was one Paul Basler. Paul Basler, who is now um, a professor at the University of Florida, he was uh, in Kenya at that time on a scholarship of the Fulbright Scholarship. And uh, Paul, uh, you know, he was a good friend of mine, so he um, sat me down and told me, look, Ken, you can do this. And uh, because I was always doubting myself, I said, well, it's so difficult to get. I mean, only very few people get this thing called. And he told me, look, you put in your application. And Paul put me a, a, a recommendation as well. You know what? I got the Fulbright Scholarship and went to the University of Miami in Florida. And my life has never been the same again. Um, you know, it was just an incredible opportunity and I would encourage uh, as many people as possible that would like to, uh, to do that to look out for what is called the Fulbright Scholarship. It's a full, fully funded program uh, through the U.S. Congress and uh, it takes care of all your needs, your uh, tuition fees, your living expenses. So. And at the University of Miami, then I met a gentleman by the name um, Michael Shiley. And Professor Shiley also took a very keen interest in my development. And right now, when I conduct, I still think I conduct like him because he was my teacher. <laughs> but but beyond, beyond um, the University of Miami, um, I got really inspired by so many other Americans. There's one gentleman uh, by the name Moses Hogan. He's uh, one of the greatest American composers. Um, he's now uh, uh, deceased, uh, bless his soul. Um, I, he introduced me to, to his music posthumously. Um, and I've just been so inspired by people like him and currently I'm following very closely a gentleman by the name Stacy Gibbs, who, in my opinion, is the living Moses Hogan. Um, beyond the, um, Stacy Gibbs, you know, people like uh, Andre Thomas, uh, Professor Andre Thomas, are also some of the greatest American composers that uh, are inspiring me and wonderful, wonderful Americans like um, Dr. Um, Kevin Fenton, who we can talk about what he and I have been doing in a little on this interview. Let's talk about that now, if you don't mind. <laughs> we'll find out okay. Okay. Well, um, yeah, no, I was going to tell you that um, uh, in 2015, um, Kevin Fenton, I call him Kevin, but he's really, he should be called Professor Kevin Fenton. Um, he invited my, my choir, and I wrote him a chorus to the US, and um, Kevin put together a wonderful wonderful program for us while we were there. We visited um, some of the states uh, in the south, um, including Alabama, actually. And um, after that tour, standing on the stage of um, uh, the University of uh, Mississippi, I looked into the crowd and um, saw the reaction that the crowd heard on one of the African songs that we were singing called Ubutuda. And um, I thought to myself, uh, how, how powerful is music? And I said to Kevin, look, um, 
how about we use our music to preach peace in the world? And so uh, Kevin, together with myself and a number of other people, including our very good friend Ron Hartley, um, we sat together and, and thought, well, how about um, providing our voices for, uh, for peace in the world? And so we started a campaign called A Voice for Peace. And in 2016, we rallied uh, singers from around the world. Um, and really, if you even go on YouTube and type uh, hashtag A Voice for Peace, you just see how much contribution individuals made, choirs made, professors made, singers made, directors and all sorts of people. So we just asked people to um, stop on World Peace Day, which is September 22nd, to just reflect on the role of music in peace building and just sing a prayer for peace in the world using this um, very uh, prayerful and very powerful African uh, Zulu, Zulu song uh, called uh, Obutula. So that's where we are. Um, we are still encouraging people every year to stop on September 22nd and think about peace in the world. That's very interesting. We jumped ahead to a point in the interview when I was when I was going to ask you to talk talk us through the story of a voice for peace. Since we are at that point now, does music actually play any role in building relationships across nations, peaceful relationships? Wow. <laughs> you know, I I think you you asked what is potentially a PhD research topic, and uh, <laughs> I encourage, um, you know, academics. I'm not very good at, at studies, so I hope I will uh, study sometime. <laughs> but does music play a role in uh, building relations? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, think about, um, for a minute, let's, uh, let's stay in Africa. And uh, some of the most powerful moments of change in Africa have been music driven. Gro growing up, when I was still young, I really loved uh, the musical Sarafina. And I followed that. And if anyone has not watched, I mean, many people must have watched Sarafina by now. But that for me is a stark example of, of what music can do in, you know, breaking barriers. For me, music is um, one of the strongest tools of uh, communication because uh, I think you can break every barrier through music. And I just wish that times were different right now. As choral musicians, we are struggling because we cannot meet to share. And, you know, the current situation is not very helpful because uh, musicians need to meet to, um, to sing those messages. And um, I think music, particularly, and particularly choral music, if you ask me, because choral music is it's it's hard to sing uh, when you're alone as a choir. Even though I know that right now there are some softwares and people are finding time to create a, a, a one-man choir. But it's, in my opinion, it's still a solo performance. It's still a solo performance. Uh, uh, you know, when you perform in a choir, you listen to the person next to you. 
and hear what they do and try to interpret what they're doing in your mind. And naturally, you, if, if you were thinking negatively to this person, you always find something positive because they are always going to have to help you go to the next stage of what you're performing at that time. And have you ever thought, what is the objective of a choir? After three minutes, you know, sometimes there are three very, very daunting minutes. Every singer, sometimes we are 50, we are three, we are five, we are 20, we are 100. Our objective usually is to get to that final note. And to get to the final note together, well, forget about the, forget about the basis. <laughs> we will be left behind. We will not be happy to say that. I can say that because I'm a bass. Oh, okay. um, well, well, I'm, I'm I'm a baritone, so we, uh, you know, not not quite a bass. But when we are in a choir, our objective is to get to that final note together, and that is the strongest thing in breaking barriers because we have a common goal that we are all looking towards, regardless of what sopranos are doing, regardless of what the altos are doing, the basses, the tenors, in the end, we are looking to come to that final note together. And that, in my opinion, is the power of music in breaking barriers. Wow. The clearest example I've ever heard of the power of music. <laughs> Thank you. Um, for giving examples, because I was going to ask you, can you give a specific example? You've already talked about your life growing up and Serafina, I believe Serafina the movie. Um, what makes a good conductor, in your opinion? <laughs> you know, um, I, that, that is a difficult question, but. Um, I'm going to give personal um, experiences and personal opinion. Um, it's not um, um, a universal thing. And honestly, I think there is no one. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hello. We didn't catch that answer. Sorry. Oh, uh, did you not hear me? No, oh, please, if you start again, sorry, yeah. thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, I, that's fine. Uh, I mean, I was saying that, uh, in my opinion, there is no single uh, measure of a good conductor. Um, I believe there are many uh, ways, in Africa we say, there are many ways to skin a cut. <laughs> um, but, you know, before, before I answer what makes a good conductor, uh, it, 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 we really need to answer the question, what's the objective of a conductor? Mm -hmm. And what's the role of a conductor in, uh, in a performance? And, you know, once you know your role as a conductor, then you will know whether you are achieving that role or not. And if you're achieving it, then you're a good conductor. Um, when I was doing my master's um, with uh, Jamaica Shaibi, which was uh, one of my most uh, challenging times of my life, because um, I had to have a complete mind shift. It was a big cultural uh, uh, shock, because I was coming from a little village in Homa Bay, a place called Nyakune, and I was here in big U.S. university, actually private university, uh, something that I could ever, never have imagined. But uh, Shaibi once told me something which, in my opinion, I was like, I mean, what do you mean? He told me, uh, little is much, as a conductor, little is much. And he used to tell me, 
that you know you don't need to do the work for the choir. Let them do it. You, if you need to do anything, do it during a rehearsal. So, it, as uh, as a conductor, if you're going to do the work for the singers, then I'm afraid it's not very uh, you're not very effective. In any case, um, you need to leave the stage because um, if you have rehearsed your choir, they should be able to give you what you have asked for. And Jamaica Shaibi always told me that can think think about think about this space and think about this this sign. If you do this, what does the choir think of, of you? If you do this, if you do that, um, and you know, be extraordinary. At the end of the day, first of all, you get tired of it, and two. Uh, what are you asking the choir to do? Now, that doesn't mean that um, uh, the Michael Shelby's theory is, is the best. I think the mark of a good conductor is are you able to communicate with your choir? Have you developed certain nuances that when your choir sees you wink, then they know exactly what you're looking for. But if on stage you you do this and your choir does not know what you were looking for, then you're not a very effective conductor. You haven't in many in many cases uh, in conducting we say don't do something on stage that you haven't rehearsed with the choir. Otherwise, they will not understand what you want. So you should, as a conductor, um, you should always, always uh, strive to, um, to to have the choir give you what what you want. And so, for an effective conductor, in my opinion, uh, you know, as long as you have uh, good communication with your choir. There you go, you're successful. Okay, that's really interesting. Um, I'm going to play a video now of you conducting the Nairobi Chamber uh, Chamber Chorus. And after okay. we watch the video, we'll come back and we will resume this conversation. Okay, great, thank you. So ladies and gentlemen, this is the song titled Musa and it's been conducted okay. this video by our guest composer, our guest of today. <laughs> Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, top of the 
his composition class because he had uh, very, very high standards. And you ask how I felt about that performance. You know, every time I, I perform uh, a composer's song, I try, I try to achieve uh, my, my level best and hoping that uh, it communicates what the composer wanted and I must say, I've not necessarily been very successful in uh, at times, but when a performance turns out to be what is well appreciated by the audience, like that particular one, um, I always feel like um, I, I achieved something. And I always wish that the composer was in the audience to see me do uh, their work uh, to that level. So. Um, Yes, I felt extremely uh, happy uh, at how the, the, the performance turned out. And that is um, really always my goal, to, um, to interpret a composer's uh, music as much as um, they, would, they would have loved to. And uh, while he was still alive, Makokea and I had a lot of conversations, um, usually 
in how we could perform this. And several times when I wrote a piece in his class, he would um, he would pull me aside and ask, Ken, but what, what was going on in your mind here? Is this how you... Is, is this what you're thinking? He was so good in, in reading people's um, uh, intentions. So um, I do feel very good when I interpret a composer's song to that level. Yeah. Okay, and which do you prefer doing? See, I didn't introduce you as a composer earlier. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. Yeah, yeah. That's director we talked here today. Um, he's somebody who is actively involved in Kenyan music composition, choral directing with different choral groups. He's a mentor um, of classical musicians. He does quite a lot. And um, yeah. he just talked again, and um, just now, about him also being a, somebody who studied composition. Can you tell us a little bit about your foray and your involvement in music composition? Well, um, so that's a good question, um, and um, you know, since you ask, anyway, um, I'm um, I'm not very. What should I say? I, I'm not very confident. I'm not a confident composer. I have written a lot of a lot of music, um, and some of which I've uh, performed with uh, my choirs, and others have performed them. Um, but to be very honest with you, I'm always second-guessing myself. What I really enjoy is um, interpreting um, people's music and trying to find out what's going on harmonically, melodically, and rhythmically. Um, and, um, you know, it doesn't mean that um, I have not um, written some pieces I thought were uh, okay, I, I have. And, um, but I do a lot of research in music and a lot of research in um, music composition and songs that are out there. Uh, my choir, and I don't remember Carlos will tell you, if they listed to you how many songs we have studied and how many songs we have learned that never made it to the stage. And in one time, they will tell you it's several hours worth of music. Yeah. So, um, you know, by the time we get on stage and sing for even for five minutes, usually we have studied music worth about three, four hours. Um, so, yeah, what I really enjoy most is studying other people's compositions and bringing it to life. Um, but I also do some of my compositions here. Okay. And if anybody wants to see or listen to your compositions, where can they find them? <laughs> you know, I, I also established another choir uh, in Nairobi about uh, 12 or so years ago. So I have two choirs in Nairobi. One is the Nairobi Chamber Chorus, uh, and another one is a really a workplace choir called Safaricom. And um, it's interesting that um, the events of uh, the world right now have made me go back to my compositional instincts again. And, um, uh, you know, with the, with the Safari Compile, uh, right now we are um, doing a lot of my my compositions. Um, every time, and they're ch they're challenging me. Every time they challenge me, what's next? Because uh, we are lucky. Luckily, um, Safari Compile has embraced technology, and. We are meeting every week for our rehearsals, surprisingly. Uh, we meet online, and all of a sudden, I've realized that I don't have uh, enough repertoire that can work online. And because I know my choir, a lot of music that people have, have written can't, can't work if you're, uh, you're not meeting in person. So I'm being forced right now to write a little more. And, uh, you know, the quick 
answer to your question um, is that no, I haven't published <laughs> any piece, <laughs> but hopefully, um, that, that, those are um, things I'm looking at now. And uh, I think many of us are being more challenged now, and we realize, oh my God, where can I get this piece? It should be online somewhere. Uh, yeah. So um, I'm looking more into um, putting my my songs for publication. Are you the one? Anytime you can find them online, we can find us performing them. Particularly with the Safari Choir, we are now singing a lot more of them. Yeah. If you want to listen to what the Safari Choir is doing, just go to Facebook and look for our guest for today. His name is Ken Wakia. You'll find him, and you'll find some of the music. In fact, I saw one of the videos this morning of the okay. choir singing and, tell, and advising people to wash their hands. I wonder who knows that. I'm very interested. So you'll find it. Yeah, so I wrote that. I wrote that. You wrote that? Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> beautiful memory of <laughs> short message clear. Interesting, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. And um, let's quickly talk, go back to you as a choral director. In which parts of the world have you and the Nairobi Chamber Chorus gone to perform? Well, um, well, we've been very lucky. Um, uh, we and we really thank we thank God and uh, we thank um, my patron uh, who. Um, in the interest, I, I, I didn't ask him, so I will not. Well, I, 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 think, I think it's fine because he's a public figure. Um, but um, I think my patron uh, is a gentleman by the name Charles Njonjo. Um, and, uh, you know, he challenged me uh, many, many years ago and said, Young man, what you're doing is really good. We need to put you um, out there, but uh, why, why are you not traveling? Anyway, um, he challenged me that we should share our music um, around the world. And after, almost after five or six years of running Nairobi Chamber Chorus, by the way, I, I was never interested in uh, traveling with my choir because uh, and some of the members, by the way, um, left the choir because of that. You know, they saw uh, our peer choirs in Kenya traveling, but we're not traveling. One of them even asked me, why are we not traveling? And I said to, to them, you know, I don't, I don't know that our objective for singing should be traveling. In any case, I would like to share our music with the Kenyan audience before we share it with the international audience. So surprisingly, our first travels we did within Kenya, and the next place we went was uh, Uganda, and the next place we went was Tanzania. I said to, to them, "Look, we are—we need to share first of all with our our people and with our neighbors before uh, we can uh, travel out." But in 2012, we were very lucky to be invited for the uh, the Queen of England's um, uh, jubilee, so we. We traveled to uh, Windsor Castle and uh, performed for the Queen, which was a total delight, uh, really, really um, fun. And from then, we've gone to the US. Um, a gentleman by the name Marcus Laprade has organized a tour for us in the Northern America. Uh, my good friend, uh, Dr. Fenton, has organized a trip for us to the southern parts of the US. Uh, we have been to Denmark. Organized again, still by our very good uh, patron Jens Bang. Uh, we've been to um, uh, so, so many other countries. We've been to Spain, organized by the um, Kijani Trust and Lace Woods. We've been um, several places. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I know you're coming to the end of the program here. Um, we've been traveling almost every year since 2012. And uh, this year, 2020, uh, we were supposed to make two international trips, which sadly um, 
uh, to be cancelled due to the coronavirus. We were going to perform in New Zealand for the uh, World Symposium in Choral Music this July, actually, the beginning of July 11th. And for us, we thought that was, in fact, one of the biggest honours that we were going to achieve, but sadly, that had to be cancelled. Um, but we are, we are hopeful. We do um, look forward to more travels again. We're also going to be in Germany. We were also going to be in Germany yeah. this year. Yeah. I was going to talk about that because you have given a presentation. I think maybe that was done in lieu of going there physically. Yes. Um, yes. So the festival, festival music at Sakra International 2020. So it's called the online ed. I watched that yeah. Um, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant presentation that you gave. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is, a, I guess, a, a a tricky one to talk about for you. In that presentation, you talked about music being an instrument that can be used to foster peace. We talked about peace before. Do you think music is failing in a way when you consider what is happening around the world? Or is that too much to, to ask music to do, to change and relationships? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, um, that's a, that, you're right. That's um, a difficult question. And, but um, I'm just going to be frank with you, you know, um, and frankly, the viewers that, uh, to be honest with you, uh, musicians can only do so much. Uh, but also, you have to realize that peace does not exist in a vacuum. Uh, I, I think. To ask that peace exists in a vacuum is to ask a bit too much. Um, musicians, we, we can do our part, um, but then we need systems to also do their part. And, you know, musicians cannot be uh, uh, policemen, they cannot be judges, they cannot be, they, they cannot play that part. That part is that for certain people. And we do need the uh, certain systems and the justice system uh, to, to, play, to play their part because uh, unfortunately what you see um, exploding sometimes is, is because of, of uh, lack of that justice and in fact it's interesting that even uh, in, in um, the demand for that justice music still comes in on the forefront for example, um, when you see people demonstrating, people doing all sorts of things, they, they're still um, finding strength in music. So I, I want to, I don't want to, I, I don't think music has failed. I think it is the other arm uh, that has failed. The musicians have played their role, the musicians play their role every day, but now we need, we need the other Arms to, to take charge because if if justice it, it does not seem to exist, then unfortunately, what we see uh, is always going to happen. So I, I think music has played its role and very successfully for that matter. But um, uh, a lot of times you require that um, justice also plays its role. Yeah. Okay. Um, you talked about or Chiang Makoi. Sorry, I beg your pardon. Oh, Chiang okay. as being one of your. You referred to him as um, one of your favorite Kenyan composers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which other African composers do you admire? Um, um, you know, there's a gentleman um, from Nigeria, and and actually, I have been doing a lot of research on. Um, African composers as well, because uh, as Nairobi Chamber Chorus, I want to bring African music to life. And in fact, for this trip to New Zealand, I had programmed, um, programmed music from uh, different parts of Africa. And um, I know, I mean, I've done stuff by people like Fred, he's called, I can never pronounce his other name. Oh, no. Yeah, another song. Yes, that one. <laughs> um, and there is a gentleman from, um, uh, from DRC, um, Zam, um, Zamka, 
somebody is Kazumba. I've done, I've really enjoyed his work. I've also um, enjoyed works by um, South African composers, uh, Michael Benet, people like this. Um, in fact, I've really, really been following a lot of uh, South African composers as well. But I'm still looking, to be honest with you, I'm more interested in finding more uh, choral music from North North Africa. Okay. And I'm, I'm doing a lot of research on that, but unfortunately, um, Nothing is coming out of that part, and I look forward to uh, finding out more. Please visit the African Composers Facebook page. You will find what we've been doing. There is one yeah. composer from the northern part of right. who we've been Good. featured prominently. Let's quickly, let's quickly talk about the importance of data. As I said earlier, if your name had not been included under that video, we probably would not be talking today. Uh, and you talked about difficulty of finding some African composers' music. I think we are at a point now where we need to have a serious conversation about yeah. communicating clearly the yeah. names yeah. of composers, dates, yeah. the times, where they are from, tagging things, using technology. You talked about the use of technology earlier. I think we are at that stage. What do you think? Well, um, Eddie I'm glad you asked that. <clears throat> um, um, I will say that um, one of my dreams, <clears throat> and in Africa we are we, we are um, we are not very good at sharing dreams. But um, I think one of my dreams is to create a, a, a digital digital um, um, institution in in Nairobi where we can digitize um, all our music um, in, in, in the, the click of a button. We we can reach uh, we can find it. I know that um, uh, South Africa is doing very well in terms of uh, self publication, um, but this is something that um, many of us in Africa are not very good at. And I think we we've got to start to start. To be honest with you, um, in, in no offense, uh, I don't see why Africa. African composers should, should always look at um, Western publishers to publish for us. To be honest, I think that's a, a misnomer, and uh, we we've got to we've got to do something in Africa. So uh, I do love all the publications that come out of um, out of the West, but it's just unfortunate that even as African composers, we are looking to the uh, Western publishing houses. And you know the Western publishing houses uh, have um, they, they they have um, a market, and they always want uh, music that um, speaks to that market. And sometimes I've I've had conversations with African composers who uh, were forced to to change certain things in their compositions so that it aligns with the publishing house. Um, interests um, and that, that's that's fair enough because uh, the publishing houses are um, they're in business and it's good business and we'd love for them to to publish um, African compositions but there's no reason why an African composer should be asked to change um, a note value that we hear as African singers in a different way so that it fits um, as someone who is going to buy. Um, to buy that music, so just for the sales of it. Um, so, um, but then I also want to talk to my fellow African composers. <clears throat> I've known many composers who have, uh, you know, uh, they have not been honest with their composition. And a lot of times you found maybe someone as writes writes their name on a piece of music, when that music, whatever is contained in there, is not really there. So plagiarism is uh, is unfortunately one of the things we also need to have um, open conversations about. Because you talk about data, and you, you talk about my name having appeared in that performance, but I can assure you that every time I do any performance, I, I will not write my name as the composer. 
I will always recognize the composer of that music. And my name is appearing, it's just as the director or conductor. And um, this, is, this is a situation I've met many times in, in Africa, where uh, directors change uh, uh, name, the name of the composer. So yes, we do need to have good data, and I do think we should come together as African composers, African directors, African musicians, to think about the future of music in Africa and how we can um, we can create um, an avenue where our music can be found. I know that South Africa is doing very well in this, and I do hope we can um, we can learn something uh, from what they're doing down there. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, thank you very much for fleshing that out and adding even more details than I was expecting. We are about to end the interview, but that's a really interesting thing. I have heard of the two sides of that coin, in fact. One where people compose their works and then they name the composer as somebody else. So they say they attribute the work to a famous composer. That's really? So, so you can sell. During an interview like this, um, there's a very famous Nigerian composer. So somebody told me that sometimes when people compose, they put that composer's name. The person is so well known, so well respected. And when people take the works to him and say, oh, I saw your work, he'll say, I'm not the one who composed this, but I think, I think it helps to spread the, 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 the word. But then what you said as well, I've heard of the other side of the coin where somebody will see a work and remove the composer's name and put their own. There are arguments I've seen so far three online of people, the composer coming up and saying, you named that work of after this person, you know, you attributed it to X, but I'm the one who composed it. If we just had reliable data, we would not need to do all of this, you know? Um, that's really interesting. Let us conclude with something that you would like to do, I think, I will not assume. You appear to be a keen photographer. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about that, then we'll conclude. <laughs> wow. 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 Um, <clears throat> it's interesting you, you picked that up. But um, yes, and um, if you allow me, I'll just take one one minute to, to say something before I can talk about my photography. But um, <clears throat> I just wanted to uh, let your viewers know that um, there was something very exciting we were looking forward to happening in Africa, and that was the African Cut. Um, um, this is a, a festival that we were going to bring to Nairobi for the first time uh, that Africa was going to hold uh, what we had, we called African Cut, which was an open festival where choirs were going to come and share experiences uh, we were bringing um, internationally renowned composers and conductors from from France, uh, from uh, the U.S., from uh, uh, from China, from um, um, you know, from the, the DRC. Um, uh, we were bringing people from all of our great, some of the greatest uh, composers and conductors. And because of the coronavirus, we are unable to uh, to host that um, physically this year. But um, I'm going to ask your viewers to just look forward to that and go onto the Africa Contact Facebook page to find updates because we're going to have an online version of that and um, the International Committee is currently really working closely to, to bring that to life. So I would ask your viewers to stay tuned for um, the first Africa Contact Festival coming up this, this August. Um, yes, I do love photography. I am uh, benevolent. Um, no, I, I don't think that's the right word. But <laughs> I, I, in my in my free time, I do love to take photographs, and I I, I love um, photographs of nature. And being Kenyan, I like to go to the national parks and take um, uh, wildlife uh, pictures. That's really my Past time, I love to just um, just take time alone in the park, surrounded with nature, and um, I like to identify what is happening in nature. So, 
uh, yes, that's, <laughs> I really enjoy that. Okay, brilliant. Uh, yes, you do take beautiful photographs, and if anybody oh, is interested in seeing them, go to Facebook and look up our guest of today, Ken Wakia, and you'll see beautiful photographs and videos of him conducting and news about the Nairobi <laughs> and a lot more. There are so many things that we actually did not talk about today. The work he's doing with the American Choral Directors, for example, that forum, uh, and the work he does with different organizations <clears throat> around the world. But it has been interesting talking with you um, today, Mr. Ken Wakia. Thank you very much for this exchange of ideas. Thanks for giving us um, of your time. Thanks to all those who are watching us live and to anybody who will watch this later as a recorded interview. Thank you once again to our guests and we wish you success with your future endeavors. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay.